Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me on today's show is Steve Cedarquist. He's going to talk about his story of survival and how he changed his mindset to success. Welcome, Steve. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Now, a lot of people might know you from HGTV with Flip or Flop, um, but you have a very interesting backstory of survival. Do you want to just give the listeners a little bit of that, um, what you've gone through and how you got to where you are? Um, sure. Um, basically, you know, I guess it started when I was really young. My parents divorced early. Um, my mom grew up an alcoholic parent. I had two sisters. I have two sisters. One's passed away. And my older sister was kind of like my more of my mom, you know, because my mom was um, she would, you know, she, you know, God bless her. You know, she took, you know, she provided a roof over our head, but she, um, she put herself in some very destructive relationships. Um, she got married to uh, a guy and he thought nothing of, you know, beating her and beating my, my younger sister. Well, I'm a younger sister. I call her my younger sister. But that's because <laughs> she's smaller than me. Right. Um, right. She's a year older than me. You're in like three months. So, um, Again, uh, that her name is Carol, so uh, I'll refer to her as that. So he would think nothing of you know beating my mom and Carol, and we would um, and myself, and then he would uh, have this destructive behavior of like you know like you know doing that and then running away, and then my mom would go chase him. So we didn't open you know Arizona, Arkansas, mm. different places all the time. So I think you know it. It just I think how that kind of started in my younger years and developed me into being this, you know, having this addictive personality and, and being, you know, shy. And then um, I think, um, you know, it, it culminated, you know, when I, you know, grew up and then I became a paper boy, I was seeking attention, you know, like wanting to be loved and cared for. And um, we talk about this in the book about, um, you know, how about, uh, you know, you know, like I became, I was a paper boy at 13 and how I befriended all my, most of my clients from my friends and how this one older man took advantage of that and, um, you know, molested me, you know, it just, just messed up stuff, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, and how we deal with it then. And, and then I, um, tried, you know, my own, you know, I guess to heal myself and, you know, thinking I was okay, could never really hold down a decent relationship. Um, so I did what any dysfunctional person would do. I worked at a bar, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, you, know, you know, and it was crazy because, you know, you, you're, you know, I was very promiscuous and, you, you know, I, I thought I was, you know, what's that song say? Looking for love in all the wrong places. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was just, that just added to the disappointment because, you, you know, you go there and you, and your mindset is like, oh yeah, she's the one, but you know, you mm -hmm. just wait a minute, I just met her in a bar, you know, you're not thinking exactly. that like I think now, you know, yes. as an older adult. So um, I decided to try to turn my life around. I decided to go to college. So I put myself in college. Um, I got into uh, business law. And then when I was in the class, I met this girl. She was uh, just this beautiful young lady that sat in front of me and um, I was infatuated with her. And then we sparked up some, just a friendship. And then um, eventually it turned into um, more than that. She, um, you want me to tell the story how that happened? Or sure. You want me to? Okay. So 
she was in class and then I used to drive her home and she was living with some guy at the time. And, and then I remember she didn't show up to class, you know, for like two weeks. And I was like, Oh my God, where did she go? Right. So I, um, I'm just thinking, man, I need to figure out where she went. I mean, I don't, I can't walk up to this guy's door and be like, Hey, I'm looking for your girlfriend. Right. I right. uh, thought that'd be a little weird. So I remember that I had um, a year before that I had um, went to a Halloween party and I had a mailman uniform. There's a girl I used to date. Her dad was a mailman. So <laughs> I dressed, I dressed up like a mailman and I, I went to the post office and I got this little special delivery sticker and I put a couple Very stamps Very smart, in. Steve. Hey, you know what? I, I, I tried. So I went to the door and knocked on the door and yeah. the guy answered and I'm like, Hey, I'm looking for Patricia. And he was like, well, she doesn't live here anymore. And I said, well, I've got a special delivery. And he's like, let me take it. I said, oh, no, no. Can't let you do that. This is a special mm -hmm. delivery. Good. You know, do you have a forwarding address? And he's like, no, I just know that she moved in with her sister in some trailer park on Lakewood Boulevard in, in Lakewood. So I went on a mad sea hunt. And um, would that be considered stalking? I guess it would. No, so, you were doing it out of concern. Yeah, there you go. That's better. I like that. Yeah. So, um, so I, I found her and then we, we connected. Um, I found her, it took me like two days to find her, but I did. And then from there, we just, we got together. We ended up moving in together like a week later. It was just crazy. It just accelerated. It was just a, a spark there. And then um, I got, we were, we were hanging around. Um, I mean, I was working, I was doing all the right things. And you know, she was doing things. We were talking about getting married. And then we, we were hanging around these cops, firemen, and ambulance people all these things and we went to a party and they were all doing cocaine and she's like oh you got to try this and I'm like I've oh. never done drugs in my life um how old were you I was like 22 okay I was like 22 at the time so I tried drugs for the first time and you know that whole addictive personality thing kicked in you know and I uh, became like an I, I call it an instant addict you know it's like when you when you have that addictive personality, you obviously you've got to watch what you do. Sure. You know, you, you have to watch everything. I mean, um, so anyway, I started using, um, from that night on, um, gosh, I, I used for seven years. And in that time frame, you know, we, um, we had gotten married in our high. So that was our, you know, we were high at our wedding. We, she got pregnant. She stopped while she was pregnant, but I continued. Um, I, you know, went from working in a family business to, you know, losing that job. I, um, I lost, um, man, I lost our house. Eventually we had um, another child in between there. So when all said and done, we, we were two kids deep and she was eight months pregnant and we were living in a motel. Oh. So, yeah, you know, and I, I tell you, and then, um, and then it all came crashing down. You know, I got arrested. The kids got taken away to, to Orangewood. Um, eventually, went into you know, kids went into the foster system. I ended up going to jail and then I'm going to prison. I mean, just crazy, you know. Um, How did you crazy. find your way out though? This huge mess. Um, you know, I I, I think my gardening sent me. I talked about in the book where. Um, you know, I'm going to court. I was a, I had been jumped into a gang at the same time while in my drug, you know, state for seven years, I got jumped into a gang and I was, um, I was in a pretty high, I uh, was a red bander. They call me in jail, which is high power gang member. You know, you, you just segregate, you know, kind of like thing. And, um, 
I remember going to court one day and they had went to pick up some other prisoners to go to court in the bus. And the bus had pulled right alongside Orangewood between Juvenile Hall and Orangewood in Orange County, if you know it. And there was a playground there. And then my little son and my daughter were on that playground and they were just both like looking down. And I remember grabbing the guy, I was in this little cage with two guys and I grabbed him, went over next to him and I went to the window and I'm screaming his name, my son's name. And he came running to the fence and put his hands up like, daddy, take me. So to me, that was my garden of Gethsemane. I, I just look at it, you know, from a perspective of like, that was my breaking point. I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. I had been not clean in jail. I had a, you know, we had a drug attorney from the gang bringing us drugs like every other night, you know, and, you know, and this, everything happened kind of culmination because I remember getting off that bus and the bus driver, I was the last person getting off the bus and the bus driver grabbed me and he said, dude, I don't know what you did, but whatever you did, you need to make it right for that kid. If that's, that's your kid. Right. And I go, yeah. He goes, that was, he goes, you're a big boy. You can handle your mess, but look at that little guy, man. You saw what you did to him. Ugh. And it was just so resonating to my heart. I was like, you needed that. I, I did, you know, I, I believe that everything happens for reason and a purpose. Yeah. You know, um, I did, I did a movie last year called reason. And, um, I, I played a chef who left, you know, it was my first script role. And, um, I, I, but the script itself was so amazing because it, it was like a movie about like, do things happen by chance or do things happen by reason? And I, I truly believe they do. So I, um, I'm living proof of that today. I think that if I hadn't been caught, gone to jail, all this, I'd probably be dead right now. I mean, cause I was you know, yeah. carrying guns. I mean, they caught me with guns and drugs. And I mean, and then when I'm like, I, it's funny cause when I'm on, I'm in the county jail, you know, intake, and I'm just detoxing on a concrete floor. And I'm finally like, after I get all that and I'm like detox and my head's starting to come back and I'm about ready to head to prison. I'm just thinking like, wow, it's, it's like that talking head song. You know, this is not my life. Yes. You know, this is not my, you know, and I, I really, and, and <laughs> it, it was crazy. I mean, you, you, and if anybody tells you like tough guys, you know, like, Oh, I, I'm going to, you know, I've been to going to prison is no big deal, you know, and, um, you know, it's a huge, it's deal. A huge deal. It's, it's yeah. a huge deal because, yeah. you know, you, you get there in this bus and you're all shackled and chained up and, you know, and you got all these rifles pointed at you. You're just kind of like, oh my God, how did I get here? Yeah. So what I did is I took that time, you know, in, in the meantime, I'd lost my kids, lost my wife, lost my house, lost my freedom, lost all my possessions. So it was like, it was like clearing house, you know, it was like, well, okay. Um, what, what, if anything, what do I want to get back? And I'm like, my kids, you know, the, the wife, you know, I, I'd love to, but you know, I can't control her actions, you know, mm -hmm. um, what she's still doing out there. Yeah. Even though I felt, I felt partly responsible. Um, you know, I'm supposed to be the leader of the man and, you know, and all this stuff. But, um, I think drugs really jaded my, my view at the time. So well, you were young, um, Steve, that's, you were young, 22. Oh is... yeah. You know, you, but you, you grow up with the premise of like, you know, you're a man, you're supposed to take care of your family and all this. So I had all this weighing on my shoulders Yeah. and I thought, well, guilt can consume me and I can be, I could, I could be uh, used as a crutch, as an excuse and say, Oh, woe is me, poor me, you know? And I think that we see a lot of people that do that today. They just, they, they, 
they, they go, oh gosh, I, it, this is just too big a mountain to climb. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's not. You know, no matter what's happening in the world, even with all the craziness that's going on today in the world, you just, you have to change your mindset and you have to tell yourself and believe it. So I did that. I got jumped out of the gang, which was, I got a severe beating and got put in hospital for like a week in jail. Um, well, that's just what they do. Um, lucky I didn't die. And then, um, you know, I was able to go to court, you know, for every hearing for my kids. I was able to, you know, do everything I was supposed to do, you know, to try to, um, you know, make sure that I was doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, and I went into all these different programs. I think the most rewarding one was um, I had met this ex um, addict. Um, he came in as a volunteer. He came into the church. Um, he was a like a counselor, but he, you know, he didn't like, he didn't Bible thump me and, you know, like, oh gosh, you know, you know, but he just told me he was, re he was real with me. And we're just like, dude, what's your plans when you get out? I go, well, first time I'm going to beat the crap out of the guy that's probably sleeping with my wife right now. And he's like, oh, great. So basically you want to give up on your kids again. Really? And you want yeah. to go back to jail. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no. And he's like, dude, we need to change that mindset. So, you know, we, we started like focusing on like, okay, what's the goal? And I said, well, you know, I want to get a job. And, I, and he said, there you go. You got to get, get out, get a place, find a job. So I was able to get a really good job on the inside of jail where I started working for the captain. And then he was able to help me kind of fur get me into work furlough like two months before my release. And um, so what happened was I was able to do that. I got a job. I was, um, I had, I was painting apartments for, um, for a property management company for five bucks an hour, smoking my cigarettes. I had nowhere to live. I, I had talked a friend into letting me stay in his old camper he had in his backyard. And I would uh, take a shower with a hose, you know, and, and then once a week I would, Take the money I made, you know, like the time motels were, you know, 1994 when I got out. Mm -hmm. um, motels were 30 bucks. So I would take 30 bucks and go take a nice hot shower, wash all my clothes, you know, kind of get ready for the week. And, and I remember the guy that I was staying with, Fernando, he would, um, he'd come out and, you know, he'd be like, you know, I, I tried to sneak in because I didn't really want to hear him, you know, upset with me. And, but he was, he was doing the right thing. It was tough luck. He'd come back and say, what are you doing? I said, well, I just got off work. He says, you need to find another job. So why? He says, dude, you're not going to get your kids back. Get an apartment, get a play, get a car, all these things you need with five bucks an hour. Think about it. So I, um, I had met this really amazing couple, uh, lady. Actually, I met this lady, uh, Judy and Bill, at a garage sale. I was selling. Uh, my dad had lost his company, and I was um, helping him sell all this stuff out of it. And um, I remember meeting this lady and she says, Hey, we're looking for a warehouse manager in Costa Mesa at a publishing company. And I'm like, Hey, I can, I can do that. And Great. she says, we'll come in for an interview. So I came in, I got the job. It was nine bucks an hour. It was like, man, this is amazing. It was in Costa Mesa. It, it was just like a, a dream come true. Um, I loved that job. and I love those people. They were so good to me. And, um, you know, I just focused I went back to court, you know, my court date was so close to my release date for my kids. And I begged the judge, I said, please just give me, give me three or four months to kind of pull my life together. Uh, I'm clean. He says, well, I need you to prove to me you're clean. I need you to pee for me, uh, drug test for me, which is peeing in a cup. So I was peeing in a cup for, or, um, for social services. I was peeing in a cup for 
parole and apparently I was on probation too. So I was, I was like a tour guide at UCI. I mean, I literally like, and I was clean. I was not, I had no desire to do anything. Good. I was, my focus was, you know what? Get my kids back. Great. So I was able to get an apartment with a friend of mine um, in Buena Park. I was able to get my kids back temporarily to start out to see how they, how we worked out together. Um, the kids loved it. We were great. Um, we, and then it just kind of boomed from there. But, but I think what I owe that to is having the right mindset of like, I, I am not going to go back. I'm not going to put myself in harm's way. I'm not going to do that. So I became like dad mode. You know, I was the kid's dad and mom, you know, mom was still out doing her thing. And, um, unfortunately not a big factor in their lives. I was able to get my younger son back um, about eight, nine months after I was released. He was still with her, um, my ex-wife, but they were, she was living in a really bad environment, a drug environment. So I got him out and I had him. So I, I have all three of my kids, you know, and I worked it out. It's great. You know, I was close to work. I moved down here to Costa Mesa. I, um, I just kept my nose to the grindstone and worked hard. I didn't miss days. I became of service. I, um, I started volunteering at Hoke Hospital doing a speaker program, which I, um, I ended up being a speaker there for about 18 years. That's so amazing. It actually, yeah, it actually was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I would think cool. you've made an impact on a lot of lives. Uh, you know, I, I hope so. I, I, I don't, you know, you know, you know, I mean, you run into people occasionally, but mm-hmm. um, I hope so. I, um, it, I got, I remember my last couple of weeks there, I was told that um, the lady told me, she says, you know, the, the people you've, you've talked to, she says, you know, you've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, that probably a hundred have died, have gone out and, you know, used again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so sad. I mean, it, it's so sad that people, and I've lost so many friends and, you know, workers and, you know, guys, and I, I, it's just crazy. I just feel, gosh, I wish I would, I would have had the opportunity to reach them or, you know, do, I mean, you know, do something to try to help them and, you know, spare their life. Yeah. But it sounds like, and you sharing all this with me, all of who you became started with trauma. It started with the trauma you witnessed, the trauma you experienced physically, emotionally, and then drugs, you know, are, it just, you didn't think about consequences. You were in your twenties. And as you get older, you think about consequences. You think about what really matters. And then you had these complete strangers telling you, Hey, get it together, at least for your kids. Oh yeah. I, I surrounded myself with some really good people. I, um, I, I mean, I did, I, it was crazy. I, I, I can't even tell you how blessed, I mean, it, it's just like, as soon as you change your poor me mentality, and I recommend people who feel that way to, to go out and be of service in some arena, not, yes. I mean, if you're involved in a church, do it at a church. If you're not involved in the church, that's fine. It doesn't, whatever, whatever. I have friends of all faiths, religions, some non-religious, some are just straight eight, my best friends and atheists. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I have a friend who is kind of going through some battles. I said, dude, you think it's bad? I need, why don't you go volunteer at the soup kitchen for a few days or save, our, save ourselves down here on, um, you know, down here in Costa Mesa. And as soon as he did that, he was like, dude, you're right. 
He says, it's really not that bad. He says, yeah, I made things maybe I may be stuck in a moment, but you know, yeah. It shifts your perspective. It totally shifts your perspective. Yeah. Which we need. And and don't ever think you're better than anybody else. I, you know, it's funny because I'm, you know, with all this crazy stuff going on and, you know, in the world and I've, I've never been a race and nothing like that. So it's never really like resonated with me. So it's just been a whole new awakening to me, but I've always led with the perspective of I'm not better than anybody. I don't think I'm better than the guy in front of the liquor store who's, you know, who's an idiot, you know, and he's, you know, trying to get a fix. I'll, I'll sit and talk to him for a couple minutes. Like, hey, dude, you know, there's a better way. Right. You know, I said, I'm not going to give you money, but I'll give you a bottle of water and some food. And I'll go buy it for you. And so you can't return it. <laughs> you know? I mean, and I'll, I'll try to be, you know, I'll try to be, just give him a smile and be like, hey, what's up? You know, and yeah. let them know that, you know, dude, you're loved also. Yeah. So I, I just think that we need to, in this world today, I think, you know, changing our perspective and realizing that we need to be helpers, especially people that are stuck right now, I think yes. is a, a, a way better way to go. And I think if we did that, I think we would solve a lot of the uh, current dilemmas that we're in. Yeah, I, I agree. So uh, how did you feel after writing this book? Like, were you thinking about writing this book a while ago? This book, um, I've been writing this book for about over two years. And um, I wrote this book because I had a weird experience. Um, I'm not like into, like I have, like I said, I have friends of all different Sikhs, I have friends of every genre. And I had a friend of mine and she said, hey, my, my mom wants to talk to you. And I said, okay, cool. Who's your mom? She goes, she lives in um she lives in Idaho and she's a medium. And I'm like, Oh God, no, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I don't know about all that stuff. And you know, I don't, I don't know, but she says, no, I just talked to her. She's got a message. And I go, and my sister had just passed away. And so I call, she called me up and I said, yeah, it's okay. Have her call me. You know, so I'm, I'm grieving my sister and she says, Hey, I, are you open to hearing something? And I said, yeah, I guess, you know, she goes, I have a message. And I go, okay. She goes, Susan wants you to know that, Sam is okay. She's okay. She's not in pain. I'm with her. She's happy. And I said, okay, cool. She goes, you know, Susan? I said, no, I don't know Susan. Okay, whatever. So I hang up the phone and like literally five minutes later, I, I literally almost fell out of my chair. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Susan was my mom. Oh. My mom had passed away 28 years ago. So with that, I was like, Called her back, obviously. Right? Of course. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right, come on. You know, they get you hooked, right? I was like, all right. I know. So I, I called her back and I'm like, okay, so that was my mom. <laughs> um, she's like, dude, you've been like, you're getting like, I'm getting bombed by a lot of people that want to give a message to you. And she was describing these people like, and they were like biker type people and like kind of more hardcore people, you know, kind of people I was used to reaching, I think, when I was doing the panel mm-hmm. at Hook. And she said, dude, you got a line of people that want to thank you. I'm like, thank me for what? And they're like, thank you for being in their life and trying to save them and trying to just be an influence in their life. Oh, man. So I thought about it. I thought, well, if that's the case, if that's, you know, truly, you know, that's the case, I, I, I'm not going to say it's not true. I don't know. I mean, it probably is. I, I don't really know. I don't have a really impression either which way, but I just thought, well, maybe I should maybe I should reach out to people that are still alive today and maybe people that are still struggling. Yes. So I wrote the book with that, that in mind. 
I didn't write it like, oh, me, 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 look at me, and I'm a star, and I'm, you know, I'm on TV, and eh, you know, I'm, I'm a nobody. I mean, I, I just feel like I'm just here to help, you know, and that's kind of been my mentality, and that's who I am, and, and I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, hey, if you can't afford the book, just email me, and I'll send you one. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want it to be like, this isn't a profit thing, you know, I, I'm trying not to, right. Not, I'm not trying to profit. I was, um, I was blessed. I had a, you know, I had a business I sold. I owned a huge construction company. I was able to parlay that little, small, little one man show into, you know, 27 trucks and 57 employees later, you know, yeah. um, sold that in 2016. That was a good experience. That was like selling a boat. You ever, you ever heard the expression? No. The two best times is when you buy a boat, you're like, oh yeah, look at me on the river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you sell it, you're like, oh man, thank God that thing's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, that was a lot of work, you know, cause you just, you know, I did um, construction. I did flips obviously with Tarek and you just, it was just so, gosh, so draining, you know? So um, I was able to sell that and make a good profit. So that's why, you know, I wrote the book and that's why I offered it to people like, Hey, if you have a need, hit me, email me, tell yeah. me your story, talk to me and, you know, and, um, and so I do that and I get people that email me and I get people that call me and, you know, cause my number is pretty public and I just, I don't know, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. And I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, how old are your kids uh, right now, by the way? My daughter is uh, 34 mm. and my son is going to be 30 uh, in September and I have another son, 28. Mm. Yep. And I have Amazing. four grandkids. Yeah. What two granddaughters and two grandsons. Aww. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it is amazing. It's cool. I'm, uh, I'm just glad I'm around to see it. Cause you know, this, um, you know, I just turned 60 and I'm, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, people are like, Oh man, are you tripping? Cause you're old. I said, no, man, it's been denied by so many people. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it gets to this point. So I'm eight days of blessing. I'm cool. I'm good. Bad. <laughs> Where can people find out more about you, Steve? Um, well, they seem to find me a lot on Google. So. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, it's funny. I get people that email me every day and they're like, Oh dude, did you, it's so funny. Cause I get calls sometimes. I literally get phone calls from people like, Hey, I see you on TV right now. And I'm like, I know I got to go. I'm still on TV. I'm just oh, that's so um, funny. I know it's so funny, but, um, I, uh, they can find me at, um, on Instagram. I'm, I'm just my name, Steve Cedarquist. Or on Facebook, uh, the same name, Steve Cedarquist. And uh, Twitter, it's different. It's Cedarquist Steve. And uh, just my email, steve.cedarquist at gmail.com. And yeah, they can, anybody can reach out to me anytime. I'm always, uh, always here. Quick question, because we didn't touch on it. HGTV, how did you land that gig? That was funny. I was watching uh, season one, and I was watching the, the contractor they had at the time. Um, I don't remember his name. It, it was, he was a bigger guy, a bald headed guy. And, um, it was funny cause I was looking at his work and I was like, man, I could do a better job than that. And I had already, I was already flipping. Mm -hmm. So, um, I had, um, I, I, I thought, well, how can I find them? So I went on Facebook and I found they had a Facebook account. So I, flip I or messaged flop, cause we didn't mention the show flip or flop. Yeah. Flip or yeah. flop. Yeah. Flip or flop. And I, I messaged him and I, I believe it was Christina who got back with me and she said, Hey, we just saw your message. We'd love to meet with you. Okay. And then I, the next, like literally the next day I met with Tarek. I met with Tarek and his um, money partner, um, Pete, the guy you see on the show with the, he has the, the blonde hair guy. 
Yeah. So I, um, I met, I met with them at a house and they said, um, what would you do? I said, well, I do this. And they go, I go, what's my budget? And they gave me a budget and they said, do the house. We'll be back in two weeks. Whoa. Said, yeah. They let me run with it. They said, do what you do, what you do best. So, um, I came back, Tark loved it. He's like, dude, Izzy just quit the show. Um, I need somebody for film. Can you film? And I'm like, yeah, when he goes tomorrow, be up here at La Mirada. Whoa. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I, I just did it. And then I signed on to do, um, that season and then went on the next season. And then, um, it, it became a little overwhelming because there was just so much work that I said, look, I, you know, we needed to bring Izzy back or, you know, bring somebody else on. So they found Jeff and, uh, they're, they're both good guys. You know, they're, they're, they're good guys. I think Izzy, um, you know, my relationship with Izzy was a little, little different at first. Cause I think he, um, I think he kind of regretted maybe leaving the show. So it was a little, just a little weirdness there, but, yeah. um, but I think he, I think we've kind of worked through that. I mean, we're, we're friends today and I think, uh, and Jeff and I are friends. It's great. And I'm friends with Tarek. I still work with Tarek. You know, I work with Tarek all the time. I, um, I just did a design for him on last season episode. Well, actually this season, it's still this season. Um, an episode I did with him and my design team because I'm doing the design company now. So I've got a design build company now, just smaller than what I was. And uh, yeah, it was fun. It was uh, fun. I like working with Tark. I've got a couple other projects I'm working with them and I'm working on some other shows. I've got um, a couple other, couple other shows I can't discuss because I'm under confidentiality agreements, but I've got uh, a couple of things I'm working on and uh, yeah, it's cool. Exciting. It's fun. It's fun. It's, it's just fun. It's different. Well, I, I think this is amazing and congrats on the book. Huge accomplishment. Thank you. What a, what a journey you've been on. Thank you. Yeah, I think people will be uh, kind of blown away when they read the book. It's, um, <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely eye-opening. It's good though. No, good stuff. I mean, you know, especially like I said, if you're in that place or stuck in a moment, it's, it's, yeah. it's good. It's good. It's good to kind of <clears throat> imagine yourself in my position and then go work the steps that I've got in the book. Yes. And I, I put this imaginary dumpster. I kind of put a little build in there and you know, a little build context in there. So you can take all that crap and throw in the dumpster that you don't want in your life I like anymore. That. Perfect. So it's good stuff. Steve, thank you so much for calling in the show. Yeah. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Have a blessed day. You too. Thanks. Bye.